Welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I'm Jacqueline Coley. I'm an editor at Rotten Tomatoes, where I write about independent film and awards. I'm Mark Ellis. I'm a comedian, a Rotten Tomatoes correspondent, and I do a ceremony every year with my family that is witchcraft adjacent, but it's for winter solstice. So I've never gotten into Halloween witchery per se, but I think that's apropos given our topic. Wow. I didn't know your your parents would be into paganism, but I like that. I like thinking of you really being into that kind of stuff, Mark. I really do. Well, they they, they kind of wrote me into it. I'm usually just holding a beer in the corner while they do their little, you know, dance and ceremony by the fire pit. But it's it, it's a lot of fun. I feel more spiritual afterwards. There, there's no black cats crossing the path and it's past Halloween. But I still think it. I, I'm safe in saying it's witch adjacent. I mean, that's good. Having it witch adjacent, bringing up the black cats. Both of us are dog people, although I do have a black dog. Um, He's very much not cat like, but it kind of fits today with our movie that we're talking about because it's got a very famous black cat in it. Of course, we're talking about Hocus Pocus, the 90s nostalgia fest that pretty much anybody who watched the Disney Channel had to see on repeat every single October for the entire month. Uh, But... The tomato meter says that it is 37% rotten, Mark. And a lot of people think that's a travesty as the audience score is 71%. This is a like sacred cow beloved movie. So Mark, what do you think? Is it wrong? I am right there in the middle right now. This is one of those fun shows that I cannot wait to dive deep into Hocus Pocus simply because I might emerge from this show with a feeling one way or another. And I think that there is a lot to love in this movie. I'm just not sure if it's fresh just yet. I just love this movie. The reason why I love it has evolved over the years, um, but I stand by my love for it even today. Um, But our guest, I think, is going to be able to maybe thread the needle between the two of us. But we'll get to that in just a minute. Before we do, Mark, please break down for us, for the two people who don't know, what is Hocus Pocus? Hocus Pocus is a 1993 release from Disney. Heard of them? They own pretty much everything now. And back in the 90s, they put out a movie that did okay at the box office. One of the reasons is that it had stiff competition that summer. And the other reason is, yes, it came out in the summer, even though it was a Halloween movie. It stars Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy as the Sanderson sisters. What's special about them? Well, they're witches. And they're also three, four hundred years old, so they were around during the Salem times in the 1600s, and the spell gets cast. They're no longer in play, and they need something to reawaken them, and wouldn't you know it, some silly teenagers stumble into their house, which is now a museum in 1993, reawaken the sisters, and they're back, and they're wreaking havoc on Halloween night. And yes, there is a cat named Binks who, like the Janet Jackson song would imply, definitely has at least nine lives. Ooh, calling out to Janet Jackson. I love that. Rhythm Um, Nation. (laughs) Well, this music, there's a lot of music in this movie as well. But before we break down the music and the acting and why I think it is one of the thirstiest movies out there, um, we're going to need to check in with our (laughs) resident critical expert. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Tim Ryan, our review curation manager, and he's going to let us know about what was going on with the critics and their reception of Hocus Pocus back in 1993. So, Tim, take it away. 
Thanks, Jacqueline. So when Hocus Pocus came out in 1993, there had been a couple interesting witch movies over the last couple of years. And even if the tone was a bit different, critics definitely had them on their minds when they were watching Hocus Pocus. Among them were The Witches of Eastwick, which was an R-rated movie, but it had three witches, played by Cher, Susan Sarandon, and Michelle Pfeiffer, living in a small town in New England. The Witches, by Nicholas Roeg, which starred Angelica Houston, was also a kid's film and was also pretty dark, and it also was about a coven with a nefarious plan for children. So critics compared it to those movies about witches, but a few critics also compared it to The Three Stooges and Sister Act. So as you can see, one of the criticisms of Hocus Pocus was that tonally it was all over the map. Hocus Pocus is at 37% on the tomato meter with 52 reviews, and the audience score is 71%. Reading through the reviews, there are complaints that Bette Midler was misused, or the plot has an interesting jumping-off point, but doesn't necessarily do a ton with it, that it's a little too busy, that some people said it was too kitschy, others said it wasn't kitschy enough, and there was certainly a mixed reaction to Bette Midler's cover of I Put a Spell on You, which half of them said, oh, this is great, and the other half said, "Mm, I don't know about this. So what did some of the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Janet Maslin of the New York Times wrote, Apparently too much Eye of Newt got into the formula for Hocus Pocus, transforming a potentially wicked Bette Midler vehicle into an unholy mess. On the other hand, in a fresh review, Jeff Shannon of the Seattle Times wrote, Hocus Pocus remains a delightful family comedy, spooky but never scary, as it romps its merry way through the graveyard. The overall consensus was that is the type of thing that little kids might enjoy, but that grown-ups probably wouldn't. But now those little kids are grown-ups, and this movie has a cult following, so does it still have that old magic? Does it hold up? Jacqueline, back to you. Okay, so it sounds like there was too many witches brewing up uh, a cauldron back in 1993, and Hocus Pocus was just not the right brew for the critics, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Could you have like um, witches fatigue, like superhero fatigue, Mark? I think you could, but I'm looking at some of these rotten reviews from critics that came out at the time. Stephen Hunter from the Baltimore Sun goes Shakespearean with it. He seems to be complaining about it because it's released out of season, a- a- as if we don't get Christmas movies running up in October now. I, I think a lot of the critical disdain for this movie might have just been because they weren't prepared for it because the leaves weren't changing yet no i completely i completely agree with you on that mark i think yeah every everybody's gonna have their problems with it we have to remember this is 1993 this is before halloween became the thing that it is now this was back when halloween was just like for kids. And I think that's where you, I, and our guests kind of saw it as children. So let's go ahead and bring her on here today. She, I'm talking, of course, about Caitlin Bush. She is an editor at Sci-Fi Wire, and she's going to be joining us today to talk about her love, affection, maybe, for Hocus Pocus. Not necessarily affection. Uh, <laughs> my, my, here's the thing. I don't, I don't hate it. But I also don't love it. I, I ride that. I'm very similar. I ride that middle line where I'm like, I think I saw this movie a little bit too late in my life. Uh, my cousin forced me to watch it after realizing that I had never seen it before. Uh, and he was so obsessed with it that by the time I got around to it, I think I, I, it was built up in my mind a little bit too much because everyone was constantly like, this is the best movie ever, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I, it didn't do it for me. So what age really were didn't. you 
what was it? I think I was four. I was fourteen when I watched it for the first time. So just beyond that, that that threshold where you're kind of starting to be self-aware about the movies that you're watching when you actually start thinking a little bit more critically I think about film and television at least on my part and by the time I got around to this movie it just like I it didn't do it for me it's grown on me as I've gotten older granted because I can understand like the appreciation and the nostalgia and I have so many friends who adore it but I just mm -mm. my first impression of it was isn't it weird where you have movies that it could be good, could be bad, but then there's this other threshold that certain films have to pass because people love it when they saw it. And so now you hear before you even get a chance to see the movie, oh, you're going to love this. This is the best something ever. And so then when you see it, you're not watching it just for a movie to see if you like it or not. You're seeing it because everybody else loves this thing. And so in the back of your head, you're wondering, wait, why do people love this so much? What is wrong with me? The bar is set getting- too high. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's up there because I came to this movie in the theater, Jack, when I, I saw this when I was either just the last day of 12 or was turning 13. So like Max, I had not lost my virginity yet. And my brother and I went to go <laughs> see this in the movie theater and we went and we liked it. And we laughed a lot and we walked out and we moved on with our lives. It wasn't anything that we said, oh, we cannot wait for Halloween. It maybe was a Halloween primer as far as candy goes or as far as some light witchcraft goes. But it wasn't like, oh, now we got to count down the months until we get to dress up and go trick or treating. So as much as I look at this movie now, and I think a lot of people do as your conduit into the Halloween season, I didn't look at this movie like a lot of people would watch Elf or watch Scrooge to get into the Christmas spirit. That movie didn't do that for me. But now, 30 years later, everyone loves this movie as the official kickoff of pumpkin spice latte season. Yeah, I mean, and look, this is a Disney movie, and I give Disney a ton of credit because they indoctrinated me very young with the Disney Channel. Like, I was in from the Goofy movie to Sister Act to this, of course, with Hocus Pocus. And the amount of times that they played this movie is the reason why I think so many people became obsessed with it because that's when I first saw it. I saw it, I can't remember the year, but I want to say it was not, it was 94, 95. So it was at least a year after it came out. It was on the Disney Channel. And man, they just blow through those Disney Channel movies during October. And that's where I caught it. And... As the, you know, little burgeoning musical obsessed kid that I was, the music is what hooked me in the first time. But I really thought it was just genuinely funny. And I thought that Zachary Binks was cute. So those were like my kind of like first impressions. I was I was a child. I was a child. Okay. You thought the and dead kid? The, the kid who was dead for 300 yes, years? I thought he was yeah. cute. I don't know. You don't have like any issues with dating a, a dead like kid? It's like Tuck Everlasting from- Energy. Oh yes, <laughs> good yeah. call out, yeah. girl. Yeah, no, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what it was. This was a, this was a post Casper the Friendly Ghost viewing for me, and I think that that movie I think got a lot of girls into ghosts, uh, kind of, kind of uh, prematurely, maybe. I don't know. I was definitely <laughs> preteen, so we were, we were having a good time. But Caitlin, I want you to ask you specifically. I mean, I guess you're still kind of middle of the road about it, but like maybe give me one on the good, one on the bad. What what exactly are you saying is something that really made you like it and maybe what was something that made you turn off? Ooh, interesting. Okay, so starting with the good, 
because we have to respect the fact that so many people love this movie. I think something that really stands out to me as good is the performances from the Sanderson sisters. Sanderson sisters. Say that five times fast. Uh, <laughs> they like lean into these roles so hard the dedication that they are bringing the physicality like the way that they move their mouths and hold their faces and like sarah jessica parker just screaming constantly is it's it's great it's really fun um i think i appreciate it actually now more as an adult like just watching these three actresses just go ham on these roles and clearly enjoying themselves so much and then i think to the rest of it, it's I, I agree with a lot of what the critics' consensus was at the time, which is that it's there's too much going on. Like you're you jam packed like all of this like weird stuff about virginity and then these women who have to like steal the youth from children to Oh no, stay this movie young. has everything. It's got virginity and it's got paganism virginity. and yabos and the the, the hottest Ridiculous Halloween is a cat movie. that's also a person and then there's a mu- there are musical numbers and like and zombies and like how many and then there's bullies too. There's like classic like 80s 90s bullies like Yeah. My god. I love the bullies getting their comeuppance in this movie. It just it makes me so happy because I got I, I was physically behind. disturbed. He leaves them to die though. Did they deserve to <laughs> Good. die though? Good because because it they took so his dark. shoes. They stole his new cross trainers. <laughs> they did, he just and I, and I love what Max did because Max said I'm going to save my shoes, but I'm not <laughs> I, I'm not saving these kids from any. They, they, they do not deserve it. Well, 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 I'm sorry. Is Ice going to grow up to be a doctor? Is he saving lives? No, no. Max has every right to just leave them in the lurch. But what? what, what so they I, deserve I think, to die? Apparently, yeah, they're like yeah. sixteen. If they're not going to die, it's going to be a happy ending, like uh, like that ghost kid from the sixteen hundreds. They're going to turn him into a cat. He's going to run around, get hit by cars, puff right back up. They're going to be fine. Look, the the thing about this movie that I, I think more than liking this movie, I'm just impressed with the the effort and the reach that Disney had because I don't think that Disney puts their stamp on this movie without a lot of edits today. I, I think that they took a lot more chances back then when we talk about the virginity, when we talk about how, like, like Jacqueline referenced, they say yabos multiple times in the movie. <laughs> There's so many things about this that I just don't feel like Disney would allow to pass in 2020. And so as much as maybe it is too much of a PC age now, but this movie for being rated PG, this is one of the hardest PGs I've ever seen. By the way, Danny, I love your costume. Thank you. I really like yours too. Of course, I couldn't wear anything like that because I don't have any, what do you call them, Max? Yabos? <laughs> Max likes your yabos. In fact, he loves them. It is horny as hell. Yeah. And this getting to that one also, but let's not forget, there's like child torture and murder in the first 10 minutes. Like we yes, don't even get you. to like through the first act before we are murdering and freaking Palpatine lightning <laughs> children yes. for all of enjoyment. But look, for me personally, yes. I, looking back on it now, I know as a child, the music is something I love because I remember recording Sarah Jessica Parker's like one minute song. And I know that I'm not the only one because if you go on YouTube, there's like 
15 covers of this. It's not even a full song. It's literally just it's her the one. Like, it's the one where she's luring the children kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, like that one. The lure is very sexy. Okay. All right. There's a fine line there. There's a fine line. I'm saying that <laughs> the dance that she used was a very, very, like, seductive dance. I mean, like, boobs are out. Use thy voice, Sarah. Fill the sky. Bring the little brats to die. <laughs> Come, little children. I'll take thee away. It's got a nice little little melody to it. And, like, Vanessa Hudgens covers it. Like, I'm not the only one who really loved this song that is not even really a song. And so I know the music is what hooked me first. Probably some Zachary Binks. But going back to it now, it is the, the hoardiness of it. This movie has no right to be this thirsty. You don't get that in Disney movies. And I applaud the balls of it. You brought it up, Mark, too. Yeah, it's it, it's <laughs> no, just you, that device. This whole thing with the kids have to be a virgin in order to to make this this magic happen. It's like, wow, Disney is really just signing off on that back in 93. What I like about Sarah Jessica Parker's character, though, because obviously if me and my brother are going to see the movie in the theater, it, did, did we were we paying attention? Yes, we were. But it was also... She is really funny in this movie. Every look, going back to Caitlin's point, that she gives, and and Kathy does too, It's they're so locked into the character. And so I think one of the real qualities about this movie that would have me leaning towards fresh is just how funny they are. Just little asides and stuff like that. And when you put it in the greater context of the fact that we're going to see this movie because there's three villains on the poster in a Disney movie, this is decades before Maleficent. Or the yeah. upcoming Cruella DeVille movie. So yeah. you could probably count on one hand the amount of family movies that were sold on the basis of the villain. You had adult horror movies like the Nightmare on Elm Streets of the World and the Friday the 13th, the Halloweens, where you go to see the bad guy. But these are three witches that we're rooting against in the movie, but they're just so irresistible. It's like, yeah, I want us to win at the end of the day, but I want these witches to have a lot of fun before we get there. You're right. I never really keyed in on that, the fact that this is a villain-based movie. Obviously, we get that the biggest stars involved in this are the villains, but like, yeah, they're the really driving force and the kids are just kind of the foil it's kind of interesting that way uh also too <laughs> i will go ahead and say that i don't know i i i want to say that this movie is scary but it it would have been scarier had the people involved in it gotten their way the original scriptwriter for this wrote child's play like i just wonder what the original darker version of hocus pocus that has been so hinted at but we haven't seen would have been like imagine if dimension or like New Line produced Hocus Pocus. What were we going to get? Caitlin, though, I want to ask you for what we did get. Um, is there a particular scene that you like? I mean, I talked about the Sarah Jessica Parker on the broom, but is there one that you go back to maybe saying like, this is why this is terrible, or maybe the one that you go back to and say, okay, I get it. The scene that always like weirded me out the most for years and years. And again, because I first watched this when I was 14 and it had, started to fully form as a person maybe a little bit uh when we were watching it my cousin and i were watching it just like the the obsession with i think virginity anytime that they bring it up it's like this weapon that can be used like you can harness it and like i don't know if that is a it can be interpreted either way like it can either be a 
you are are a pure, better soul for being a virgin, or it's a dangerous thing to be a virgin, and you better get rid of that pesky virginity, like, right the hell now. Otherwise, you're gonna, like, light a candle one day and summon a bunch of dead witches from 300 years ago. Mm, black flame candle. Made from the fat of a headland lit by a virgin on Halloween night. So let's light the sucker and meet the old broads. And do the honors. No, thanks. So I think any time, like, they were really leaning into that, to this day, just weirds me the hell out. I don't, I don't know. Like, is that the kind of message that we're sending, really? There's a lot of 80s movies like that. Even (laughs) 80s horror movies. Anybody remember Once Bitten with Jim Carrey before Jim Carrey Mm -hmm. was a thing? He, he, it's a comedy movie where he gets bitten by Lauren Hutton, I think, as a vampire. Very similar. She's got to drink the blood of a virgin to stay young. And I remember that movie for the fact that, like, they have sex, basically, so that he doesn't get killed. Um, and it's like, she's like, well, it wasn't good. <laughs> and I was literally thinking, it's like, like any virgin cares. Anyway, sorry, I'm just taking no, a little. that's a lot of pressure <laughs> to put on a virgin. A yeah, to sleep like with a vampire right off the bat. I mean, vampire sex has got to be a little intimidating, <laughs> even more so than normal sex would be if you're a virgin. Like, if I'm yeah. going to sleep, if I'm going to lose my virginity, I, I do want a good story. So maybe a vampire is the good way to go. But it just seems like it's a very tall mountain to climb for your very first hill. With this, it just it seems like you're damned if you don't, damned if you do, because what this movie basically does is just throw all that in the face of Jamie Kennedy's character, Randy, from Scream, where yeah. he's telling you, if you are a virgin, um, then you, you can't sleep with anybody or else you're going to die. But now in this movie, unless you have slept with somebody, you're going to be in the witch's brew. So kids, just stay away from <laughs> strangers is yeah. the point. <laughs> don't even go trick or treating. I will add to that you bring up the virginity, Caitlin, because it is problematic boots down. Let's be real on this one. Besides the virginity, just this idea that the Sanderson sisters are so obsessed about being young. You know, this is like a a very common theme with witches and it's just like this haggly thing. And again, like embrace getting older and, you know, look at people like, you know, Goldie Hawn and Susan Sarandon who are hot into their 70s and have faith. Or be Betty White. the of older women for me. Yeah. Or be Betty White and just be awesome into your 80s. It doesn't matter. Just embrace it because it's happening to us all. Um, Also, again, they make the Sanderson sisters have modern day knowledge, um, even though they're 300 years dead. Like, how does she know about a learner's permit? I would like to know. <laughs> how, how does she know? And how do they know about microphones and dance choreography and like placing themselves correctly on the stage for Bette Midler's like big number? Um, which we have to thank Kenny Ortega for that, the director of this, who's a choreographer. And I think his involvement and the second screenplay guy is why we got this sort of like hodgepodge of a movie. Cause he shoved in musical aspects every chance he could get. And the other guy who also wrote uh, mystery men and the adventures of Pluto Nash. I think we can say that he is responsible for all of the sort of like broad comedy that we saw. So I, I get why it's a bit of a, a bit of a hodgepodge and, and leave somebody a, a bit behind. But Mark, did you have a scene from it that you marked as particularly great it might be when the sanderson sisters first come back to 
the modern era, if you will. And before they're making jokes about learner's permit or they know exactly how a microphone works, it's so funny to see them acclimate to this new world because they do it fairly quickly, but they're still worried about the the Black River that turns out to be asphalt. And they're still feeling their way around the house and they're just so happy to be back. And it's just such a fresh burst of energy where you don't always get that from the villain presence in the movie. It's that you're waiting for something to lighten the screen up, something to just give us the satisfaction of why we came into the theater. And when they come back to 1993, that's like, that's why I paid to see this movie. That's why I'm shoving popcorn in my face. That's why I'm already planning my Halloween costume months in advance is because this makes me happy. This is a black river. Perhaps it is not too deep. I live for any times they actually stay within their fish out of water timeline. So when they don't understand like, oh, I smell children, but I don't see children. I'm like, yes, give it to me, Kathy. Um, And yeah, actually, we're a bit on a Kathy Najimini, you know, tilt right now with Sister Act and Hocus Pocus. Where is Kathy Najimini? What's she been doing? I miss her. I love her. She's our first returning champion because we had Sister Act 2 on the show a couple weeks ago, and now we're doing Hocus Pocus. So I think uh, Kathy and Jimmy is the first one that we've had multiple movies in their catalog. So congratulations to Kathy. I'm sure she's very thrilled about this achievement. (laughs) (laughs) She's on Exactly. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Um, Caitlin, um, I mentioned him because he's definitely my, you know, probably the tween Jacqueline's favorite bit. Uh, Binks, how are you feeling about Binks the cat? I like Binks the cat. I, I like cats. Uh, I like dogs more. Cats are, pets are great too. Uh, but I, here's the thing. I always, as a teenager especially, was like, Cats are not, like, the loyal creatures. Like, when you're typically thinking about, like, what kind of animal is going to stick around for, like, 300 years to try and help out his sister, to, like, be the loyal pet, like, you would assume that they would have turned him into, like, a cute little, like, beagle or something like that. Obviously, we have to stay with the Halloween theme. A black cat makes the most sense thematically. But also, a cat would not stick around for 300 years he still has to live as a cat. Like, he has a person's mind, but he's still, like, down in the in the sewers, like, hunting mice. Like, that's the kind of thing that will psychologically ruin you for the <laughs> remainder of, of existence. Uh, and you're telling me that he was loyal enough to stick around for 300 years to, like, make sure that he could free his sister? That's, I don't, I don't buy that. And getting hit by cars. I, I think that's the one <laughs> reason why... It's not a dog because I don't think I could have handled it if I see a dog. Even if I know the dog's going to pop right back up, I don't want to see a dog get hurt in any. If, yeah. if a cat 
if there's a little bit of kitty torture in it, I, I can get over <laughs> it as long as I know the kitty's okay. But I would put Mr. Bing, I, I'd put Binks up there with, and this might upset a lot of folks. I think he's just as great and as valuable as the black talking cat from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Am I out of line here? Am Ooh. I am I giving Binks way too much credit? I think um, amongst talking black cats in the history of entertainment, I would put Binks up there with the best of them. I don't think he's I don't think he's that iconic. I don't I don't think there's enough attitude there. Granted, we had more time uh, with Sabrina yeah, we had more the, time. The, the Teenage Witch, but <laughs> I'm just I a sucker a- for accents. On cats, like it doesn't matter if it's Binks or Puss in Boots, who we all know is the cutest character in the oh, history of movies. Yes. Oh yes, I will give God. you on Puss in Boots. I can't, I don't know. I like some cats. Garfield, I'm down for Garfield. I like cartoon cats. I don't know about <laughs> movie cats, but if I think about it, I could probably find one that I ooh, like. Ooh, quick aside. Okay, so the best Halloween that for me, if we talk about Halloween primers, Hocus Pocus is fine. Garfield's Halloween is amazing. <laughs> oh and my god. When I was a kid, we had Garfield's Halloween on VHS and then the next thing that aired on I, I think it was on ABC was this special that involved a witch and goblins and I don't know if anybody out there's ever somebody please let us know if you've seen this. Rue McClanahan from Golden Girls fame played oh a witch who kept trying to cast spells and she had this army of goblins that she sent up to Earth and one of the goblins brings back this girl. But then I think the goblin felt bad about bringing this young child who's probably a virgin, it's probably why the goblin picked her, to, down to, to Rue McClanahan. And so I think the goblin turned on Rue and then uh, saved the little girl. So anyway, if you haven't Talk seen it- Talk about shoving everything into a movie. Like, talk about, like, packing it too full. Oh, my God. Is it too yeah. full, though, or is it just full enough? Oh, and here I go. Look at me. Okay. Go, All being, right. being just as bad as this movie. Honestly, also, let's talk about that bus driver. Oh, my Easy. God. Yes. He was like, like, but he they pull up the Sanderson sisters and they get on the bus. And first of all, I will say Winifred started it because she's like flirting with him. She's like, we seek children. And he's like, I'll give it a couple of tries. It's like, no, sir. No, sir. We no were not offering sex. They said they were looking for children. You don't know. They could be nuns that want to, you know do a mission service to the children. That was just so, ugh, taking it up an extra knot. But according to Disney, this was a children's movie, which I think is really funny. Because is it though? We didn't even get into Doug Jones. They literally brought back their freaking side dude. Like, <laughs> who, by the way, um, I've gotten in trouble for this. So I just want to take this little aside. Any man who dates or pursues two sisters as in blood sisters sorry you're stupid you're a player and like you're an f-boy that's the best way i can put it like you know what i mean like (laughs) screw you dude within like five minutes of each other too doesn't even take a breather it's very trepidatious if you're going after sisters i i have never um tried to romance multiple members of one family But I do have a friend who was dating. Uh, no, he was dating a a young lady, and then they broke up amicably. And then the young lady ended up dating and marrying the brother. So it goes both ways. Now, in the in the case of Salem bus drivers, I look at this as yes, was he 
too aggressive and forward? Yes, but he was also equal opportunity. I I don't think he had his eye on Sarah Jessica Parker's character necessarily. He was happy to have three. He was happy to have riders on his freaking bus, and I think he would have been just as happy with Bette Midler or with Kathy and Jimmy or with Sarah Jessica Parker. Dude was just looking for some comfort. And as far as bus drivers go, not the least attractive bus driver I've ever seen. That is a, a fair low point. Bar. However, I I would like to point out that we have delved into defending the creepy bus drivers. <laughs> Thank you from Hope. Focus, focus, and I can't stand for this. He's not as bad as the bullies. I enjoy how horny it is for how off-putting it is, but I will never defend that. That dude, that dude is ending up on like one of these like um, podcasts, like last last podcast on the left about you know the murderous (laughs) bus driver who terrorized Salem in the 1990s and killed 14 women and kept their toes in his in his his trunk. Anyway, question that brings that brings something to mind. Question: Is there a a precedent to a generation of people growing up with this movie and loving it, and now being obsessed with true crime? Ooh, I think there's a generation of kids that grew up watching this movie and loving it, and being obsessed with Halloween, because I do believe like. Halloween became the thing where like it's such a thing now like it's a bar thing it is a college thing it is an even like old people like me that don't like people thing they dress up at home and put the pictures on Instagram yes I am forecasting what I'm going to be doing October 30th (laughs) don't judge me um but yeah that there is um there is like I think a, a big part of the Halloween obsession that came from this movie the DVD sales the re-airing on Disney Channel Halloween became more of a thing and even the parties that are there there were not really that many Halloween parties like that the reason why they're doing big Halloween parties in Salem is because it's Salem that was not I think prevalent throughout the world in 1993. I don't know. And the celebration of of witchcraft, too, Yeah, because I think a lot of kids saw this. I I do think this is a kid's movie because the way that witchcraft is handled, we can go down the rabbit hole with creepy bus drivers or losing a virginity or is, is that noble? Is that are you a loser? But when you look at the actual spells they're casting and the things that are going on that you never feel a real threat with this movie, like anybody's going to have their heart ripped out or, or anything gross is going to happen. There's nobody walking around with machetes. You have witches flying on brooms or on vacuums and they're <laughs> delightful. So I think, yes, it is a kid's movie, but a lot of kids probably saw this movie and were inspired to start to forge into the dark arts. There's actually a quote. Our expert researcher, Mark Hoffmeyer, who has the number three podcast in Croatia. I'm giving you a shout out, Mark. Congratulations. <laughs> we're coming up on your heels. Um, there's a there's a witch named Sarah. She's a tarot reader and a witch. And she describes the film as perfect because she remembers wanting to put myself in a world like that where magic was real black cats could talk and halloween was the one night of the year the dead could come back so as a young witch you need goals to reach for was her point Mm. but there's also witches who criticize the movie because it does have all the talking black cats and the flying on broomsticks and they say no i cry foul because that's not what real witchcraft is so with anything if you're going to build something up and you're going to celebrate the lifestyle of it, people who actually practice that lifestyle are bound to have a backlash if you're not portraying it accurately. In this case, I think it's because you're dumbing it down for kids. Yeah, but it's a good point. I mean, are we really mad that we lost the pagan audience? (laughs) (laughs) My family is. (laughs) Your family is. I'm kidding. No, I I respect everyone. Honestly, there's a great documentary called Hail Satan about Satan worshipers. Quite good. 
uh, very surprising. And they were very nice people. Um, I was like, you know what? I could see that. Look at me. They're chill. This is, this is, the, this is how you get seduced by a cult. Looking at stuff like that, you're like, oh, you know, maybe. Um, <laughs> Satan worshippers, they're just like us. Like they're I mean, they they're, they're walking, nice they're holding people. their yoga mats, and they have their little their their their, their Starbucks tumbler, and they're like, yeah, no, we we still work out, we still we still love watching the Golden Girls, and we also worship Satan. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a thing that they do, and it's fine. Um, since I mentioned it, I also uh, want to give a shout out to Mark Hoffmeyer because he made me aware of the fact that the reason probably why I love the Sarah Jessica Parker song is because it was composed by none other than the late, great James Horner, the guy who mm. also composed mm. the Titanic theme. And anybody who could write that song, as in the song that would not die, I don't think people appreciate how big that song was. My Heart Will Go On just went on it's like i don't think there was something even close to it except for maybe frozen let it go for the under 18 crowd that is probably the closest thing i could say for for how nuts uh people were for his uh song on that one so he knows how to make a catchy tune so that's why i probably liked it uh hey look if we're going nuts on music though we 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 cannot undersell how big of a star in multiple entertainment avenues Bette Midler was when this movie mm. came out because a couple years prior she had just been nominated for an Academy Award and an Emmy I think I, I think she's she still yes, just is she, missing the Oscar from yeah. the mythological EGOT but she also had huge songs come out like that um, You Are the Wind Beneath My Wings and stuff like that so she was the biggest star in this movie and the fact that she was kind of changing tenor and playing a witch and then you also had these two up and comers alongside her as the Sanderson sisters I think that's what got people in the movie but this movie opened against a tidal wave of hit films I think three of the top ten movies from that year all naturally came out in the summer. So you had to deal with movies, whether it was Jurassic Park or The Fugitive or The Firm, that this movie just, that's why the box office receipts aren't there. But I'm always impressed with a movie that can find legs afterwards on home video or DVD or on the the Disney channel. It's just people will not stop celebrating this movie. Yeah, and they still do to this day. Um, Just go check, you know, the pages of Tumblr, Pinterest, just, just hashtag Hocus Pocus. From this point forward in the month, and you will find some people who love this movie a little bit too much. Maybe if a that's little too case. much, a little too much. Um, yeah. It's a cute movie. I enjoy the movie, but for all the reasons that we kind of uh, that we kind of laid out, it, it's it's got some it's got some issues. Well, it's to the point where like uh, I I was uh, tech in a group text that I was in. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. I'm going to be talking about Hocus Pocus, and they're like, oh, you're just going to talk about like how wonderful it is and how great it is and how it's the best movie ever made. And I was like, <laughs> n- n- no, no, um, it's it's fine. And like the amount of like just all caps like. <laughs> responses that I got in this group chat concerning deeply concerning deeply well I concerning. might have to rethink some friendships I, I have a question for you guys this is Lucy um I read that Leo the Leo like the beach Leo was gonna be cast as Max originally but he turned it down for what's eating Gilbert Grape do you guys think you would have liked it more if Leonardo DiCaprio actually got that role because I do like if Steven Spielberg had not- ended up directing it and then Leo was like the lead I feel like it would have been like mm, if Steven incredible. Spielberg had directed like no shade to Kenny Ortega um, but I know that Spielberg wanted to like 
wanted it to be darker. And once he realized that it was going to be made by Disney, he was like, mm, never mind, not not my thing. I'll go make Jurassic Park instead. Um, but he was trying I think, to do like Gremlin style, I think. Like to yeah, do like Gremlin he style-y. wanted to make something that was that that dark tone that we had been talking about, where it maybe had leaned a little bit more into realistic witchcraft, or it had done this or that and been more horror than kitsch which is not to say that kitsch is bad um but i think i would have liked it more if spielberg had directed it uh which would change the entire vibe of the movie but also i'm not i'm not that big of a leo person and i never have been so oh if if the audience listening could see the gasp that producer lucy just (laughs) just like let out like her whole body Well, here's the thing, though. I, I don't think Leo could have been in this role because clearly you had to be a virgin for the Sanderson sisters to go after you. And I, 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 mean, I don't know that Leo is keeping that card in his pocket by the time he's Max's age. So I think probably good for the Sandersons that it wasn't Leo Di- DiCaprio. I think, I think, I think I will go ahead and say that in the end, I do think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong, but I think it's because I have a different enjoyment of this film now. If I was looking back on it the way I looked at it at 14, I do not like the movie exactly for the same reasons. Um, but I really still enjoy it for, again, just the audacity of it. And and the fact that it looked like everyone was having fun. It's campy goodness. Um, I'm not one of these people that start celebrating uh, Halloween midway through September. But I do like to put it on right around this time and say, hey. It's the spooky season, and I appreciate it for that. What about you, Mark? What, what are your What are your final final thoughts, as it were, on Hocus Pocus? I love Halloween season. I love celebrating it. I love watching horror movies. I love walking into my local coffee shop and getting those pumpkin notes in my nose. I still get my same boring <laughs> black iced tea, unsweetened, every morning, but Shame. I still enjoy the season. It means that football is in the air. It means that we get to see the leaves changing. But Halloween proper, I, you you could not find me in a costume unless my significant other who currently doesn't exist would convince me to wear a costume that would accompany her to either a real party or a zoom party. So I don't care about getting up into costume, but I still love celebrating Halloween. And so for that, I think Hocus Pocus, I like it more for what the movie represents than the actual execution of the movie as a film. So I think Rotten Tomatoes is right in that it's a rotten movie. I don't think it's as rotten as a lot of the critics of the time made it out to be. I think it's very enjoyable. And look, just because I'm saying Rotten Tomatoes is right doesn't mean that you can't celebrate the movies. I like movies. I love movies that are not fresh on the tomato meter. So it's not taking away the celebration of the film. And the fact that we get to see witches in a different light than maybe what we were accustomed to, that they're scary and they want to take our soul or boil us into stew or whatever. But they're also really funny and they have personalities and they have different looks and, and they have different takes on things. And different viewpoints. I thought that was all cool. So I like celebrating Hocus Pocus, even if I think it's not quite a fresh movie. I stand by the assertion that if Rotten Tomatoes isn't wrong, I don't want to be right. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what everybody listening to our show thus far in the episodes we have cobbled together has felt during at least one of these exercises. Is Hey, if they're talking about a movie that's rotten, I don't want to be right. 
actually like that. We're gonna we're gonna bring that one back. As cheesy as it is, we're gonna keep that one. Be on the lookout for that one, folks. It's gonna be a staple in the podcast. Okay, but wait, can I ask y'all what is if if it's not Hocus Pocus, what is the Halloween primer movie for you that just gets you locked into ooh, it's spooky season because I'm watching this movie? I'm gonna have to uh Oh god, it's going to be like a it's going to be a classic horror film for me. I think this year, I think at the beginning of October, that was when uh I watched The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Um so I got to go like classic horror to get me in the mood for all of that. But yeah, I agree with everything that you said, Mark, like just like going to sign that and like attach myself to everything that you just said because I agree wholeheartedly. Yes. I still The Exorcist to this day, I still have trouble getting through the whole thing. And I consider the greatest horror movie ever made, but it's just seeing Pazuzu, the little flashes at the end. Dear <laughs> God, what am I doing to myself? Don't I like it? It's my favorite thing. Why am I ruining it? Not ashamed to say, never seen it, don't plan on it because of just what y'all said. There was exactly. a time where I didn't watch, I did not watch horror movies at all, Mark. There was like a good 30 years on this earth where I was like, F horror movies and the horse they rode in on. Like, I'm not about it. It gives me nightmares. I have since grown up a little bit, but I will take y'all's word that it's great and uh, leave it at that. <laughs> and do the exact opposite thing, which is watch Hocus Pocus. <laughs> yeah, my movie maybe would be, if it's not Hocus Pocus, it would probably be, you know what? I'm just going to say Scream 2 because I was thinking about mm-hmm. it the other day and the sense that it has Jada Pinkett Smith uh, sort of sitting there at the beginning saying everything I love um, about black women, like just talking about black people in horror movies and the fact that they put her in Demon Night shortly after this. I was like, yes, Jada. Um, I, I really think Scream 2. And you get Jerry O'Connell singing to Nev Campbell in a cafeteria. That's welcome. I'm down for that. Mark, do you have one <laughs> that, you would, that you would say besides Hocus Pocus? Well, obviously, I would say Dennis Miller starring role in Tales from the Crypt presents Bordello of Blood is way up there. But I'm probably going to go with a horror movie that is near and dear to me, which I believe may be rotten. It may be a movie we have to talk about at some point is the original Pet Cemetery because I saw it. Yes, it when is. I was way too Ooh. young to be seeing such a film. My aunt took me and my older <laughs> sister because we convinced her that our parents would be cool with it. And... It freaked us out for a lot to this day. Basically, if you say the name Zelda around my sister, she ain't thinking about the video game. She's not thinking about Link. <laughs> That's the kind of like scarring thing. I definitely read Pet Cemetery too early. I started reading Stephen King way too young. Uh, mm. I think I started reading Stephen King before I ever saw Hocus Pocus. Uh, so that's, that's on me as a person. (laughs) (laughs) You were in the AP horror class long before you saw Hocus Pocus. (laughs) I was definitely not. I would avoid it. My dad always tried to get me to watch horror movies and I was just like, I'm leaving. You can put on the musical or you can watch this by yourself. Okay. Caitlin, I'm going to leave you kind of with your final thoughts on, on Hocus Pocus. Would you recommend it though? Regardless of your thoughts, do you recommend people check it out? I think I, I think I recommend it that people check it out specifically because of all of the, this love that people have for it. It's There's a reason why people do love it, whether it be for nostalgia or whether it's a legitimately great movie or whether it's not, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But absolutely, to understand what the fervor is and to kind of be a part of this cultural understanding of why people love it so much, you have to see it. 
Yeah, I agree. And if folks want to see it, they can check it out. Uh, they can download a digital copy on Fandango Now or Vudu, and uh, or maybe they can go on, you know, online and grab those DVDs as well because apparently they sold millions of those things. Uh, Caitlin, what are you working on at Sci-Fi Wire? What do you want folks to be checking out? I think you guys should check out Jabba the Pod, uh, which is Sci-Fi Wire's podcast about Star Wars. We are about to hit off our fourth season where we talk about the mandalorian season two which is obviously coming out on october 30th we're just sticking with the disney theme today uh but absolutely it's a really great time my co-host matt and brian are some of the loveliest people you'll ever meet it's a very positive star wars fandom heavy show uh and if you like to celebrate the series and don't want any of that toxic stuff that goes on then check us out hot take I think uh, I think Baby Yoda's name is going to be Binks. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah. I don't want him to know the name. I like to keep it keep it under wraps. Don't 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 let the magic get sort of spoiled. But well, you know, I, I want me. him to have the most boring name. I, I want his name to be like Bob or like or Brian, Jane, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris. Uh, Caitlin, where can folks follow you online? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Caitlin M. Bush. That's C-A-I-T-L-I-N-M. Bush like the beer, not like the presidents. Yes. And Mark Ellis, I think people can find you a, like live. Not dead, but alive, correct? Ooh. <laughs> at, well, at least right now, as far as the social media handles go, it's at Mark Ellis Live. Was trying to put together some sort of Halloween stand-up show, but I wasn't able to do it virtually the way I wanted to, so I think I'm I'm going to push that to Christmas. So I want to do a big Christmas stand-up show that is... Uh, and occasionally you can find me now performing through a glass window on the patio of the Comedy Store to people who are outside in the bar. So it ain't traditional stand-up, but it's the best I can do right now. And I can't hear the laughs because I'm performing through a window, but I can see smiles, and that's better <laughs> than seeing boiling children in a cauldron even if the kids are bullies. Okay, fine. I feel bad that the bullies died. I feel bad. <laughs> okay. See, he admits it. There we yeah. go. You've been, you're a better person now just for what admitting it, that. Do you what feel if it better? Turns out the, the bus driver was a virgin, and that's who the witches were looking for the whole time anyway. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and with that hot take, we want to hear from y'all because we want to know what movies you think we should be talking about. We want to know what do you like? What do you like about the show? Email us all of your thoughts, your questions, your concerns, your witticisms at rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com. That's rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com. It's the big suggestion box, so let us know how we're doing. Um, also, wherever you're listening to this on whichever platform, please like and subscribe, share it with your friends. Again, if you don't like the podcast, uh, there's another one. Go find one of the other movie podcasts and let them know. You can still thoughts. hit the button before you go. I mean, just yeah. because you don't like us, I mean, you can't. You can still hit the like button. Then you never have you to can listen still to the like us. button. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. Um, and of course, you can find me on all social media platforms at that Jacqueline. And I will be back next week with Mark, where we will be breaking down another horror themed, Halloween themed movie. Um, this time we're going to the East Coast, and we're going to be talking about Eddie Murphy's Vampire in Brooklyn. I and people were going nuts over Eddie's long hair in this, and yes. I rented it one time, and that was the only time I saw it. But I'm gonna go ahead and say now that I'm gonna be stumping for Kadeem Hardison next week because he is yes. great in everything he's been in, and I think he's probably gonna be the unsung hero of Vampire in Brooklyn. 
uh, already can say, having, you know, watched it recently, actually, that you are absolutely right, sir. Does not get enough play. What happened to him, too? I feel like every time we do these, I'm like, what happened to this person? I like that person. But <laughs> you'll hear us uh, wax about him and Eddie Murphy next week on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. And we hope to see you guys back here then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.